We're returning to the vision series. M- many of you would know, who are, you know, bothered to be on social media, that I've been dabbling in painting yeah. lately, and, uh, which has been fun. And uh, I-, I painted a painting that was like a collective. It was an inspired thought that I had from years ago. It was like a collective of, of stories and experiences and, and whatnot. Uh, and some of you would remember Slim Headed for the Ute. Um, so we're going to look at Slim Headed for the Ute, because it's just an excuse to show off, really. Um, and there was my bush art, for any of you who saw it. And I knocked that up, and I hadn't been doing any art for years and years, since 2002, since I touched a, a, a paintbrush. And even then, I never really did much. And I just thought, well, I'm just going to get in and do it. Now, you can remove that from the screen. But what, what, the point I want to make is, I just want to thank you for how encouraging so many people were about my little foray into art. Because, you know, I thought about it in the light of this message, and if I'd received ridicule rather than encouragement, I think my painting career would have ended that same week. I think the difference... I, I was actually inspired by people's encouragement. As a matter of fact, I had two people offer to buy it which I thought was ridiculous. But they like assured me, like, oh, I would buy that. I would hang that up. What are you going to do with it? I said, it's probably going to end up hanging in a farmhouse out in the bush somewhere and never be seen where it probably belongs. But the fact is, it inspired me. It inspired me so much, I began to do a portrait of my own wife. Now, I'm not going to show that until it's... It's going to have to be pretty good, that one. I, that one might never see the light of day. But I guess what I'm saying is, you know, the difference between pushing on and pushing through sometimes and, and stalling and stopping, yeah. it, it can just be words. Yeah. Words of encouragement. And we're going to look at a little bit of that. That's part of what we're going to look at today. And I think that rings true for all of us. We know it. We've all experienced it at some point. The burn of critical words, of ridicule of people pushing back, not agreeing. And I'll tell you what, if you're someone, remember we're in the vision series, if you're someone that carries a bit of vision in your heart, at some point that's going to be a reality for you. And so let's have a look at vision in action four. Remember last week, uh, we're with Nehemiah and they have begun to build. They've begun to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They are stuck into it. And uh, what I want to do today, we're going to revisit some early characters that I said we would revisit. And some early characters, these were governors from the regions around Jerusalem where Nehemiah was trying to work. And these guys uh, had a bit to lose as far as the power balance in the area. And so they become or try and become a thorn in Nehemiah's side right from the start. So I just want to read get straight into scripture so let me brighten my screen so I can see things there we go uh, oh, I didn't want that screen okay oh my goodness sorry 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 I just lost everything but I'm coming back I shall return okay Nehemiah chapter 4 I better hurry now verses 1 to 3 when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall He became angry and was greatly incensed and he ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life 
from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, isn't it interesting how critics tend to flock together, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break it down, would break down the wall of stones. In case you didn't know, that's like, yeah, that's telling them to buy. That's 5th century BC sledging. That's what that is. Even if a fox climbs up, it's going to break it down. I love it. Here's some thoughts. Every good vision has its knockers. If you've got anything in your heart worthwhile, you can guarantee at some point someone won't agree, especially if you're doing something new. And I tell you, especially if you're doing something that's like Jesus-focused, God-focused, kingdom advancement, you will have your knockers. It's just a fact. You've got to deal with the knockers. And uh, often, as I've said in the past, the last few weeks, sometimes it's, it's the people that aren't rowing the boat with you. You've got to make sure they're not drilling holes in the bottom. They might be in the boat with you in life, on your journey, but if they're not cheering you on, it pays to have a look around and make sure that they're not actually trying to undermine what God's doing through your life. And, uh, and I just want to say to us, look, we've just got to understand, because it's hard. Ridicule can stick. Isn't it amazing? If you've ever been criticised and you've thought, you know, in my intellect, I know this is not true, but in my heart, it still hurts. You know, if I get disappointed over being criticised, and I guarantee you as a public, public sort of a person, you get it plenty, I get most disappointed now of how it affects me when I know it shouldn't affect me. Yeah. It's like, you know what? You don't love me. You're not a friend of my future. I really shouldn't be listening to you. But there's just something that makes me listen to you. Yeah. It's a, but I tell you what, ridicule is the currency of a bankrupt argument. And I love what Adam, uh, Adam Grant preached a couple of weeks ago on the what-ifs. Just listen to this. Will they? Will they? Will they? Three times. Can they? Right here, San Bolette is engaging in the currency of the what-ifs. Yeah. It's just questioning. And that's the basis of most ridicule. And that's where it comes from. And honestly, to deal with it, we've got to understand that. The fact is you can't afford to be pinned to someone else's level of faith when someone criticises the vision that you've got in your heart. Whether that's even just for your front garden. As I said, this is a broader thing. This isn't just about collective church vision. This is about us in life moving forward, something in our heart that we believe God is calling us into. And that could just be to improve your front guard, yard. But I tell you what, if the neighbour's looking over the fence every Saturday morning going, it's going to stop you dead. You've got to learn to deal with it. And you've got to move in a level of faith. Yes, even for your front garden. Where you are not, you cannot afford to be pinned to the faith of others who don't have the vision you have. Remember, you've got a picture of a preferred tomorrow that's pulling you into your future. They might not have that. And if you've got a sense of vision, you've got to be prepared, number one, to be criticised, and number two, to punch through criticism because what's in your heart is more important than what the critics label it. Yes! 
Amen, Pastor Chris. You're preaching so well this morning. Verse 4 and 5, it goes on. I love this. This is, this is Nehemiah's response. And it, it, it's just not the response that... I, I love passages in the Bible where Bible characters don't act the way that preachers always tell Christians to. You know what I mean? It's like we just, we just preach such a like a, you know, just be this sweet person kind of thing. Here's Nehemiah's response. Hear us, O God, he prays. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads and give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Obviously, remember, he's just come from the land of captivity and he's speaking out of his own pain. He knows just how painful that can be. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. It is so unchristlike, his response. And maybe that's why Jesus came. <laughs> But I tell you what, you've got to be able to relate to it. And this next point you won't understand because it's so contrary to what me as a preacher and most preachers you've ever heard will encourage you to do. My next point is it's okay to whinge while you work. It's okay to whinge while you work. You know, we're always, for pastors, that you're encouraging people not to complain. Well, I'm telling you, it's okay. If Nehemiah could do it while he was hard at the vision, you can do it too. But here's the point. Just complain to the right person. <laughs> you know, when we complain to the wrong people, like people who can't actually change anything, then it actually reveals in us that we don't want change and we don't want things fixed. We just want to complain. And there's a big difference between having the big whinge out there where no one can change anything and actually taking it to the one we should whinge to. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, if you're a Christian and at some point you haven't had a good wrestle with God, you haven't had a big whinge about things, then honestly your faith is going nowhere. At some point, you've got to find yourself in a room struggling alone with God going, God, I don't understand what you're doing. And this isn't fair. And this is unjust. This is insane. I think I'm going to be out. You'd better talk me out of walking away. That's where faith really comes alive. And think of Jacob. Jacob's a great example of this. He wrestled with God all night. I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm wrestling over these issues. I'm wrestling over not seeing the promise. I'm wrestling over not seeing what I've been promised, what I've been told, what I thought I would see. I'm going to wrestle with you until you bless me. And he got blessed with brokenness. Tell you what, though, he walked different for the rest of his life. (laughs) And if you want your faith to go deeper, there's got to be a little bit of that in it. Uh, I'm always heartened by the humanity of these Bible characters. I love it. They weren't perfect. They weren't immune from human pain. They're not immune from their own poor responses. But ultimately, they became heroes. Now, listen to it. Not because they're perfect but because they didn't give up on the vision. (laughs) You want to be a Bible hero? You don't need to be perfect. Just don't give up. (laughs) Isn't that the point of faith? 
Isn't that the point of faith? And I tell you, particularly in this season, the words that we're saying should reflect a heart of faith, not a heart of fear. Whether that's what we're saying on social media or what we're saying to our friends and our work colleagues, are we actually expressing ourselves as people of faith? As people who have a heavenly vision, God is calling us on into better things and we have a hope for tomorrow. 1 Peter 5, 7. I love this. This is sort of, I guess, relates to the right person to whinge to. And Peter puts it this way. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's okay to whinge while you work. Just whinge to the one who can actually change some things. That's okay. Okay. And then the next one, I'm going to skip back now. I'm going to flick back to verse two. I left something because I wanted to land here and I've got plenty of time to do it. So that's so cool. You're right. Verse two, we're going to go back and they say this. Can they bring, remember, this is a question from those that are ridiculing the vision. Okay. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are. And my thought is resource can come from the most obscure places. Because they did, of course. If you keep reading the story, uh, yes, they did. And, and I love this. There's, there's a principle in creation, you know, when you think about it. Between Genesis chapter 1 verse, or 1, verse 1 and 1 verse 3, it's really interesting because uh, in verse 1 you have God creating the heavens and the earth. Then you have a description of the heavens and earth and without form and, and void. But there was something there. Yeah. And then God spoke and brought order to the chaos. And often the resources are there, you just can't see it. They're in a different form. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. He created the heavens and the earth, but there was no order to it. You could not see what it was meant to be. But it was there. And I think often for us in this, and think about it, talk about vision. You look at creation. (laughs) There's a fair bit of vision in that. Everything that we see came out of the mind of God. Everything in the natural world that we see came out of the mind of God, came out of the imagination of God. And yet it was once there, but unseen. And then creativity and vision brought form to what didn't seem to make sense. And I guarantee for some of us, there is resource in our life that we just don't recognise. It's there, but we're not harnessing it. It's there, but we're not calling it forth. It's there, but we're, maybe we're not, either not using it or even misusing it. I, I think of that with finance. You know, the, the easiest way to, sa- to save $100 or to make $100, you could put it that way, is to not spend it. The $100 you don't spend will be the easiest $100 you ever earn. Now, I'm I'm not saying that we should be tight in our mentality. What I'm saying is often there is resource there that we just don't recognise. It's there, but we haven't harnessed it. It's there, but we haven't called it to purpose. Everything that God created had a specific purpose. That's why it's so important that we live with vision because if we don't live with vision, honestly, if you've got a budgeting problem, you don't have a budgeting problem. You've got a vision problem. You've got a lack of priorities problem. 
You don't see what you really want for tomorrow because if you did, you wouldn't have a budgeting problem. You would be budgeting naturally to get there. I'm not saying that we can't help with a, do with a little bit of help and a little bit of order and a little sheet that helps us understand things. But ultimately, most people can't fulfill a budget, not because they don't know how it operates, but because they don't have vision yeah. that compels them to call their resources into a place of order that fulfills the vision. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so I love this because it's like, man, what have they got to work with? Burnt stones, piles of rubble. Well, how are they going to do this? And of course, they did it. If you keep reading to the end of the story, I love it. Um, the question is, can you build with burnt stones? Well, just flipping a bit of a switch, going somewhere a little bit more obscure, a spiritual application of it, I suggest that the gospel of Jesus Christ answers that question with a resounding yes. <laughs> Can God forgive? Can God restore? Can God heal? Can God deliver? Yes. I love Peter. Peter puts it this way. Uh, in 1 Peter 2, 5, first part of the verse, he said, you also, he's talking to the church, you also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. So scripture, and it's, it's not just Peter, but in a number of places of scripture, our lives are likened to stones. And I look back here at Nehemiah, I mean, doing a study on stones right through scripture is really interesting, but I love the crossover here where in a sense, the enemy is ridiculing and saying, can you rebuild that kingdom yeah. <laughs> with burnt stones? Well, that's exactly what Jesus set out to do. Yeah. That's exactly what Jesus set out to do. And so we transition from like this very physical thing into a very real thing right now in our own lives. Heavenly vision always builds more than bricks and mortar. It's always about people. At the end of the day, if our vision stops with the facility, we were always visionless. Our vision has to see through. All this is is a facility and all a facility does is facilitate but what's really important, and Warwick, this is for you guys down there because you're right on the cusp. Come on, get that building over the line. It's just going to facilitate reaching a whole community. And we've got to look beyond building plans and bricks and mortar and look up into our community. Just like Jesus said to his disciples, lift up your eyes for the fields are ripe for harvest. This is always about people. Peter says, like living stones, you're being built up. So the question becomes, so can God use imperfect people? Yes. Uh, well, it's a matter of fact, it's all he ever has. Yeah. Come on, we just saw Nehemiah have a spacker <laughs> about his enemies. Wanting God, crush them. That's not the heart of God. If that was the heart of God, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. We needed a better revelation of who God was. That's why Jesus came. But in his humanity, come on, and God still used him. God uses imperfect people. So have you ever been burnt? Have you ever been spat out by life? Criticised, ridiculed, put down? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Paul says this verse, which in our social context, gets sort of 
all kinds of bad press and misunderstanding, but Paul says, do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, uh, immoral, sorry, immoral, immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's often where people stop their quote who are angry and who have a very, very harsh picture of God. But what I want us to read is the very next verse. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It's interesting that the very people the modern church often struggled to reach are the very people the early church was built on. (laughs) Come on! (laughs) No matter what your past, God has a future. Restoration, renewal, purpose restored. Can they build something with burnt stones? Yes. <laughs> you just watch. You just watch. And look what God's doing throughout the earth. You know, if those old stones could think, I don't think they would have been, or speak, think and speak. <laughs> if you personified the stones, I don't think they'd be too different to a lot of people. Well, I'm burned. You know, I've, I've been burned. You don't understand. I've, I've been displaced. I've been, things are broken down, like relationships I was connected to, I thought I'd always be connected to, and now I feel like I'm just sitting in a pile of rubble. And I'm hurting, and I'm distressed, and I really just, and, and honestly, <laughs> the only one who's ever going to ask the question of you can you possibly be restored, is your enemy. Because the gospel says, just you watch. Can anything good happen in this space? Can anything be built here? Can anything of substance? Can the kingdom advance through this heart, through this person, through this messed up life? And the gospel says, it's the only way it has ever advanced. Think about the apostle Paul. He's on a murder mission. He's the Taliban of his day. When God picks him up, can this burnt stone be used? Of course it can. So I've always loved this passage because I guess it's my story. It's many of your stories. And you know, I was writing these notes and I just... I actually wrote an old line of a very old song that probably a lot of people in here won't really even know, but those of us who do, I just had to write it down. I wrote down, you know, it's my story, it's many of your stories, I know that. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. But there is hope. There's restoration. There's healing. There is a future. No matter what your past has said, no matter what pile of rubble you feel you might have fallen into if that's where you're at you know and if you're doing okay in life and you're set in the wall and you're beaming then I guarantee you can look back and just go I praise God what you're saying preacher I know is true because it's my story too so here's some quick questions for us are you listening to voices that empower your vision 
or mock it. Come on, think about it. Think about what's in your heart, what you want to see in the life. Are you listening to voices that empower it or mock it? And the voice I want to include is your own. Not just external stuff, but what are you saying to yourself about what you feel God has put in your heart? And I think that this is what's so critical about getting heavenly vision. You know, when we just are focused on us and what we can do and our experience of life and what we want to happen, our world becomes about as big as a postage stamp. And you can see that right now in our society as people are polarised around issues. But the moment you allow God to breathe into your heart, you lift your eyes. You see fields that are white for harvest. You see piles of burnt stones that others would look at and go, well, they're out. And you look at them and go, perfect building material for the kingdom. Just like I once was. Come on, can we let God fill our hearts in spite of external circumstances, in spite of the fear that's out there, in spite of all the stuff of this crazy weird season? I think we should determine as the people of God to be coming through with a picture of a preferred tomorrow. God, if, no, if anyone can lead this whole world out of the morass it's in right now, it should be the church. Not by complaining about it, but by speaking a compelling vision of hope yeah. for a preferred tomorrow. Yeah. I better go before I preach again. Righty up. Where do you most often express your frustrations? In prayer or social media? I just throw that in there. (laughs) You're going to complain. Complain to the right person. Because if you complain to the wrong people, all it reveals is you don't really want an answer. You just want a whinge. (laughs) And thirdly, have you got faith that God has a purpose for your life? No matter what you've been through or going through, that God still has a purpose. I think often in a room like this, rooms like these, you know, people can just feel sidelined, feel like they're in that pile of rubble. And and I just want to tell you, God's still got a purpose for you. No matter what you've been through. Come on, can you believe that? Can you set your heart on that? Can they build a wall out of burnt stones? (laughs) Yes, indeedy. We'll probably look at that next week. Cool, let's pray. Why don't we stand together today? Thank you, Father. Father, um, come on, let's open our hearts. I just believe for release of faith right right here, right now, for all of us online, all our online folk, our Warwick campus, here in the room. Father, just a release of faith to see to see beyond the natural, to see with supernatural eyes, to see with eyes of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. I pray for that release of faith. And for those maybe who struggle with where life has taken them in these moments or in this last season, I, I just pray for hope to reignite and the vision to come for preferred tomorrow. In Jesus' name. May we shrug off the ridicule or the criticism or the whatever, even of our own hearts, 
and move forward with faith into what you've called us to. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are just down just at the moment. Hey, if you're you're with us here today, wherever you are, and uh, and you'd recognise that you've come to a point of faith in your journey. I've talked about faith. I've talked about seeing things different. That's something that the Holy Spirit wants to do in every human heart, to lift our eyes beyond our circumstances and to see hope. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews says, He is an anchor for our soul that stretches all the way into eternity. So no matter how this world shakes, you can have an assurance. You can have an assurance that you have peace, that you have a hope, that there is purpose in your life. And maybe you've never opened your heart to Jesus. You've never received that hope. Friend, this is your opportunity right now in the closing moments of this service. Just right now in your heart of hearts, you can reach out to Jesus in the simplest of ways. Open your heart. And and you can literally pray on the inside simple things like Jesus. I don't know everything about you, but I know enough that I know I need you. And I open my heart to you. Come into my life. Help me, help me, help me in this journey of life. Bring hope to me. Bring peace to me. Bring purpose to me, I pray. In the simplest of ways, friend, wherever you are, you can just open your heart to Jesus right now. Pastor Sue is going to let you know what you can do next. Thank you, Pastor Chris, this morning.